verse 1 says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. They that wasted us required of us mirth. Saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. You see the despair of the exiled child of God. Verse 4, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I'm going to preach tonight the saga of abandoned places. The saga of abandoned places. Jesus' name. You can stay where you are. You can go to your seat. Do whatever you want to do. But Lord, we love you and I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your presence that's here in this place tonight. God, I plead your blood over this service. I pray, God, you would work. Pray, God, I would let you work. In the name of Jesus, God, I want your will to be done in this place in this place, through this people, in this day, in this age. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name. You can be seated. Psalm 137 is a portion of Scripture that could be tied back to the words of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 32 and verse 11, it says, Tremble, ye women that are at ease. Be troubled, ye careless ones. Strip you and make you bare, and gird sackcloth upon your loins. They shall lament for the teats, for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine. Upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars, yea, upon all the houses of joy in the joyous city. Because the palaces shall be forsaken, the multitude of the city shall be left. The forts and towers shall be for dens forever. A joy of wild asses, a pasture of flocks. Find that the prophet Isaiah is speaking the word of God. He is declaring a warning. This particular warning is being aimed at, directed at the women of Israel. They are warned that there is an attack that is coming upon their cities. It is an attack that is coming not just in the neighboring countries. It is an attack that is coming not just close to home. It's coming home. It's against their city. 
It is against their home. It is against their way of life. It is against their identity. It is against their song. It is against their praise. It is against their worship. It is against their walk with God. And he's letting them know it is coming. It's coming. It is an attack that is going to leave the largest of palaces empty. It is going to leave them forsaken. It is going to leave them abandoned. He is preaching to them a message, a warning that there is trouble that is coming. But we find, we get the idea from the book of Psalm 137 that that this warning was not heeded. We understand that the, the attack was punishment from God. It was a driving away of the people of Israel in order to get their attention. But now we find in Psalm 137 that by the rivers of Babylon there, we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. When I remembered the city of the living God, when I remembered my relationship with God, I'm preaching tonight about the saga of abandoned places. I'm preaching out uh, into the atmosphere of our city tonight. Uh, A saga is a long and complicated story with many details. Uh, The saga of the children of Israel was a long and complicated story. It was a story full of detail. It was long. It was a story of distress. It was a story of places that they had abandoned. They had abandoned the altar of the living God. They had abandoned their walk with God. They had brought into their home and into their lives false doctrines, idolatry, and so on and so forth. And it it was to the point where they could not heed the warning of the preacher. And so they find themselves walking along the banks of the rivers of Babylon. And it was at that point that they remembered Zion. They remembered what they had had. They remembered the places that they had come from. They remembered the moments of joy. They remembered the moments of rejoicing. And now they have come to this place and they have hanged their harps upon the willows. I'm not going to sing the songs of Zion again. I'm not going to dance that way again. Perhaps I should have listened to Isaiah's preaching. I should have listened to Jeremiah. I should have listened to the prophets. I should have heeded. I should have turned. But I'm not going to need this anymore. It's too far gone. I'm too far away from Zion. I'm too far down the road. I'm too far away from where I ought to be. It's the saga of a place that I abandoned. It's the saga of a place that I walked away from. I've come to preach into the air of my city tonight. The saga of abandoned places does not have to continue. To be abandoned is defined as left without needed protection. Left without the needed care, no longer held, 
no longer thought of giving up. Long and complicated story. Details too numerous to list. The places I've been. The things I've left behind. The prayer meetings I've walked out of. Shook off. The preaching I've heard. That went in one ear and out the other. And I walked out the doors to be unaffected. I walked into a workplace to be preyed upon by the spirits to which I had let my guard down. And I found myself there by the river of Babylon and I sat down and I wept. When I remember Zion. The more I wept, the clearer it became to me that I just could not get back. To the place that I had left. And so I looked down at the tools of my worship. I looked down at the instruments of my praise. The instruments of my worship. I'm not going to need this in Babylon. I think we'll just hang this up right there. It's the saga of abandoned places. I just don't feel like worshiping that way tonight. Maybe I ought to just find a nice willow branch and hang up the instrument of my praise. Maybe I ought to just hang up. I'm preaching tonight about the long and complicated story that leads to abandoned walks with God. It was just a few weeks ago that Brother Patrick Payton stood in this pulpit and started preaching under the unction of the Holy Ghost about a multi-pronged revival. I'm preaching tonight to the first prong of this revival. We're putting action behind the word of God tonight. I'm preaching to the long and complicated story with many facets and many details. I'm preaching to an Israelite who's living in Babylon who's got their harp hung up on a willow in an abandoned place understanding I'm not where I should be but I just don't know how to get back. But I'm not sitting there alone. Sitting there with my captors. For there, they that carried us away captive required of us 
saw. You know, I heard that you can sing. Why don't you sing us one of those church songs? Why don't you open your mouth and sing us song? Saga of abandoned places. They're requiring a song, but what they don't understand that they that wasted us required of us mirth saying sing us one of the songs of Zion but let me preach to those who have found themselves by the river of Babylon tonight that it just does not sound the same what used to sound so beautiful what used to sound so lovely no longer has the same ring your voice might have the same vibrato your voice might carry the same pitch but what it lacks is the sound of the beauty of holiness what it lacks is the sound of the accompanying worship what it lacks is the sound of the accompanying praise well, I don't, I don't understand why your song sounds so different. It's the saga of abandoned places. It's a long and complicated story. They're warned. There's an attack coming. But it won't affect me like it affected them. It's never happened like that to me. I've been around too long. I've seen too many things. I've watched it happen too many times. I'll see the signs coming. I've heard preaching like that before. The problem is... It's a long, complicated story. It's the saga of abandoned places. Tonight, if you were to walk out of these doors and you would begin to walk through the streets of our city, you'd pass by many homes you would see a multitude of doors. More doors than you could count. It would be many places where people would enter. They would abide. They would live themselves and their families. It was these homes in which their lives were lived. Their memories were made. Either good memories or bad. 
And what happened behind these closed doors and in these homes would no doubt impact the lives of the inhabitants forever. Whether it was the joy of a Christmas morning as snow fell fresh or the warmth of a wood stove fire as a family sat around telling stories with buckets of popcorn and hot cocoa or perhaps homemade ice cream on a hot summer day. But now all that's left of some of these homes is just an empty shell. The paint is peeled. The doors are broken down. The windows are cracked and the shutters have fallen to the ground. The steps are deteriorated. The railing is gone. The shingles are curling. The porch is rotten. There's no one around. This house is forgotten. The house is now filled of memories past, whether good, whether bad, the memories may last. They'll last longer than this house that is falling apart. They'll last as long as the tenant will hold in their heart. Was it bliss? Was it glee? Is it happy memories? Or is it pain and sorrow? The sound of hearts breaking, the sound of children crying as their families fall apart. Is that why the house sits empty today? Because no one was there when their world went astray. What is the face of this house saying? Is their life everlasting? Or is all hope fading? It's the saga of abandoned places. Isaiah 32 paints a very clear picture of the turn of events that happen once a place is abandoned. We started in verse 13. I'm sorry, in verse 11, but by the time we get to verse 13, it's talking about palaces that have been or that will be forsaken upon the land of my people, shall come up thorns and briars, yea, upon all the houses of joy in the joyous city. There are houses that used to be full of joy. It was places, locations that used to be full of the sounds of laughter, the sounds of love, the sounds of happiness, the sounds of joy. But once those places are left alone then the thorns can come in briars can come in and begin to dwell upon those houses the houses that used to be full of joy are now places of pain they're places of stickiness they're places of barbs and sharpness Ah, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 8 says but that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto to cursing whose end is to be burned that abandoned place is now a place it's not able to bear fruit it needs someone to be there to tend the soil Matthew 13 and verse 3 says and he spake many things unto them in parables saying behold a sower went forth 
to sow. Verse 7 says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. If you were to read down to the explanation of this parable in verse 22, it says, He also that received seed uh, among the thorns is he that heareth the word. He heard the word of the preacher. He heard the word of Isaiah. He heard the warnings. But I'm just too busy to heed. Though I've got too many plans. You're crimping my style, preacher. It's he that heareth the word and the care of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. You could just work instead of going to church. You can make some more money. You know if you if you just miss one service it's not going to be that big a deal. You could make $500 in those two hours. You could make one sale. You might get two or three thousand dollars. It's the deceitfulness of riches that would trade in temporary comfort for everlasting life. Deceitfulness of riches, the care of the world. Choke the word. He becomes unfruitful. It's the saga of abandoned places. I was too busy to pull the weeds I was too busy to dig out the thistles. I was too busy to dig out the thorns. And before long, I find myself marching next to the rivers of Babylon. And I've got some captors there. And they're saying, hey, church boy. Hey, church girl. Sing us that pretty song. That one that you sang tonight. Oh, breakthrough. He's the God. I like that bridge. Sing us that bridge. Breakthrough in my heart. Breakthrough in my mind. I can't sing that song in an abandoned place. Saga. It's the long, complicated story. Too many details to live. How did you get there? I don't know. It was just one service. It was one moment. I didn't feel like worshiping. It was one Bible study. It was one day of Bible reading. It was... Listen, it never starts. It never starts with climbing in a back seat. It never starts with walking in the bar door. It never starts as being stumbling down drunk. It never starts with giving yourself away. It never starts with being high out of your mind. It never starts with abuse. It never starts with brokenness. It starts with a missed moment. It starts with an abandoned place. It starts with a missed prayer meeting. It starts with a missed moment with God. It starts with a missed opportunity. It starts with, hey, I got to get the yard mode. I can't make it to church. I'm sorry. I'm going to get a citation for the city. I got to stay home and mow the yard. And we ought to mow our yards. And our houses ought to look the same. They ought to look nice. And they ought to be some of the nicest in town. But not at the sake of an opportunity with God. Amen. 
They don't just end up abandoned one day. Starts with one missed meeting. It starts with one absence. For long, one absence. Just going to be pastor tonight. You start missing church. And the more you start missing church, the easier it is to miss church. I'm going to tell it like it is tonight. If I miss church because I got a headache, then, then before long, it's going to... And I understand that we get sick. I came into church tonight with a splitting headache. But guess what? It's gone now. I missed a good portion of prayer last night because I felt like my head was going to explode to the point where I was going to get sick. And so I would leave and I'd go out and I'd keep praying, but I had to pray in, in absolute darkness. And then I had to come back in and then I had to go out again because I, I don't want to miss what God's doing. But I understand that I'm not fighting a fight of flesh and blood. But if I allow myself, I'm just going to preach it like I feel it tonight. If I allow myself, what if it's not just a headache? What if it's an attack from the enemy that wants me to miss out on what God's doing? then dare I say I cannot afford to stay home and stay out of the fight. I'm not saying we don't get legitimately sick. I understand all of those things. But what if it's not just sickness? What if it's for the glory of God? What if it's an opportunity? doesn't start with just being a ghost town starts with one missed meal starts with one overnight trip somebody doesn't just wake up in the morning and say you know what I'm just not going to church anymore doesn't happen that way It's one missed moment. It's one absence. Before long, the more I miss, the easier it is to miss. And the more I miss, the less I miss it. The more times of prayer that I miss, the easier it is for me to miss it. The less I pray, the less I miss praying. I'm preaching about the saga of abandoned places tonight. Before long, real, real, real cares of this world. Things that need my attention, but get in the way of my walk. It's a legitimate excuse. I got to make a living. You do. Pastor, if you, yeah, I get it. Nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with being But not at the expense of my walk with God. For what profiteth it a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? He's preaching to the thorn patch. He's preaching to the briar patch. Don't gain the world and lose your soul. It's the saga of abandoned places. We have this view that it's only, it's only folks who start messing around with drugs that backslide. It's only folks that start drinking a little bit on the side and thinking it's okay that backslide. No, if you're drinking alcohol, that's sin. 
Stop it. You need help, then ask somebody for help. We're not coming at you with condemnation. We're not coming at you with fingers pointed. We want to help you make it. But you got to get the thorns out of the flower bed. Doesn't start with somebody waking up one day and saying, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to cheat on my wife or my husband today. Small little increments it's steps that are missed it's moments that are missed it's it's legitimate things that we need as men and as women confirmations encouragements needs that need met but they don't go met and so before long there's cares of the world and things that i just i just need and before long the preaching is dulled down to the point where isaiah's standing at the altar and he's screaming and somebody's saying get him out of here i can't even bear the sound of that anymore it's the saga of abandoned places for long the joyous the joyous buildings the joyous houses are just nothing but briar patches and thorns places where there used to be so much promise there used to be the sounds of life the sounds of joy are just briar patches they're places that are hard to walk through you can't even walk through them you can't even have an encounter without getting hurt Can't even pass by that person in the store without feeling the prickliness. Because it's an abandoned place. It goes on to describe abandoned places in verse 14. Because the palaces shall be forsaken. He said it's, he's saying it's not a respecter of social economic status. Isaiah's preaching to them and he's saying, listen, it doesn't matter if you live in a palace or you live in a shack. It's coming. But it's, it's to the point where not even the folks that have fortifications are going to make it. Because the palaces shall be forsaken, the multitude of the city shall be left. The forts and towers shall be for dens forever. They were strong, fortified places. They're fortified places that are occupied only by troops. They're surrounded by, by bulwarks. They're surrounded by ditches and ramparts and parapets. They're, they've got low walls around the edges of the roof or the platform or the bridges. They can hide behind. They're places of defense. They're fortresses. The towers, the, the watchtowers even, the places for the lookout and the guard, these places of fortification, these places that were supposed to be safe. have become dens forever. That place that used to be marked by safety. That place that used to be marked by protection. That place that used to be a defense is now the lair of a wild predatory animal. The Bible says that if you bind a strong man, You cast out an evil spirit. If that evil spirit is going to wander. He's going to wander throughout the earth. And he's going to go find seven buddies that are more wild and more vile 
than he is. And they're going to, when, when he has come back by himself, if he finds that house empty, he's saying, all right, let's move in. Seven times. That house that used to be so safe. That watchtower, that fortification. It's now a place of bondage. Because I've found myself wandering along the banks of the Babylonian rivers. It's a long and complicated story. Because it didn't happen overnight. The forts and towers shall be for dens forever. A joy of wild asses. It is the wild donkey that's found nearer to Palestine now than it was to Mesopotamia. It is exceedingly shy. It never approaches the habitations of men. It typically stays off by itself. But there's not been life there for so long that those things that used to be afraid of coming too close have now moved in and brought friends. They live in temporary groups which are typically composed of fewer than five animals and usually the main factor limiting group size is food availability. They may stay together for a day or even several weeks depending on the resources. But the Bible tells us that the abandoned place gets to such a point, such a level, that the abandoned palaces and fortifications are, are not only the, the, the place of pleasure for predatory animals, but now it's become the joy of these wild donkeys. Pasture of flocks. Instead of being a place of civilized structure, it's a place of wild randomness. Animals are going against their very nature. Because there's such a level of depravity that they can become out of character. Again, to ask myself, do some research on how long would it take? Our house backs up to the woods on the back, and we understand that unless you are diligent, just because your house is there doesn't mean that nature will respect the fact. Your house is there. Nature does not, does not have eyes like you and I have that says, you know what, there's somebody living here, so let's just stay away. We'll only grow this far. 
we will only populate this area. And so we're going to stay on this side of the property line. No, it is a very real fact that unless you are diligent, the woods that you cut down to build a home will eventually encroach back to the point of consuming the home. So if humans were to vanish from New York City, how soon would nature take over? Scientists predict that within 10 years, sidewalks would crack and weeds would invade. Within 10 years, hawks, falcons, raptors, birds of prey would flourish as would feral cats and dogs. The rat population deprived of human garbage would crash. Cockroaches which thrive in warm buildings would disappear. Cultivated carrots, cabbages, broccoli, and Brussels sprouts would revert back to their wild natures. In 20 years, water-soaked steel columns supporting subway tunnels would corrode and buckle. Within 20 years, bears and wolves would invade Central Park. In 50 years, concrete chunks would tumble from buildings whose steel foundations would begin to crumble. Indian Point nuclear reactors would leak radioactivity into the Hudson River in 50 years. In 100 years, oaks and maples would recover the land. And in 300 years, every bridge would collapse. In 300 years' time, Nature would have completely taken over without a single human to propagate the takeover. All that has to be done is for man and man's touch to disappear. It's the saga of abandoned places. Psalm 37 and verse 34 says, Wait on the Lord. Keep His way. And He shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I'm preaching tonight, not just to those who are here in this building, but to those who are without those who are living along the banks of Babylonian rivers that God never designed you to live by. Your song cannot be sung. You have wept and you have cried. 
I'm preaching to the first prong of a multi-pronged revival tonight. I'm preaching to those who know truth and have walked away. I'm preaching to those that can no longer hear the sound of joy behind the front door. The memories of the house, if the walls could talk, would speak of now of not just joyous moments, but of despair, of tears, of adoration, but not only adoration, but they would speak of moments of depravity. They would speak of moments of terror, moments of uncertainty. I'm preaching tonight to the abandoned places, and I'm telling you that if you would wait on the Lord, if you would keep His way, if you would remember the old path that's grown up, if you would remember what it was like the first time you spoke in tongues, if you would remember what it felt like when you prayed through if you would start abandoning the places along the Babylonian river if you would if you would reach down and pick up the harp off of the willow tree if you would pick up that 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 tool of worship that tool of praise if you could just stumble your way back to the presence of God I'm here to preach to you tonight that he will exalt you he will exalt you he will lift you to inherit and to those who are hearing this message tonight in this building I preach to you don't you ever walk by an abandoned place the same How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I don't even know. I can't even remember the tune. It just doesn't sound right. It's got a different twang. It sounds different out here. Preaching to us as a church body, if we are going to participate in a multi-pronged revival, then we can't just sit back and wait to participate. We have to facilitate We've got to put into motion. We've got to march into the abandoned places. And we've got to look those folks in the eye and say, listen, I know there's a lot of details, but I don't want to know the details. All you need to know and all I'm concerned about is Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm here to pull you out of the abandoned places. You don't have a harp of your own. You don't remember the tune, but let me play the music for you. Let me pick up my harp. Let me pray over you. I know you don't remember how to pray, but let me pray for 
you. And before long, Psalm 138 and verse 1 records the words of the psalmist saying, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I might be in a strange place full of false gods, but even if I'm standing around those false gods in their presence, I'm going to praise the God of my salvation. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with the strength in my soul. Preach into the abandoned places. Preaching to homes. Preaching to the hopeless. And I'm preaching to a church that's been commissioned to walk into those places and have revival. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you by giving you the land. You will see the wicked destroyed. I'm not preaching about seeing wicked people destroyed. But I'm going to watch wicked habits be destroyed. I'm going to watch wicked uh, attitudes destroyed. I'm going to watch wicked uh, spirits destroyed. If you and I as the church keep our hope in the Lord. And travel steadily along his path. He's going to give you you abandoned places to inhabit he's going to look he's going to look at situations that others have lost their hands of and he's going to say if you'll walk in my way I'll give you that place I'll give you that place I'll give you that land to inherit I'll give you the abandoned places Harvest time is now. Well, Pastor, you said that 2021 was going to be the year of fulfillment. Why hasn't it happened yet? Have you gone to the abandoned places? Are we just expecting to wait on God and God's just going to pour them, pour them out of the sky? That's not the way that it works. There's a saga to the abandoned place. There's a lot of details. It's a long story. But what I can do as the light of the world is to walk into the abandoned place that has no power and is full of darkness and is full of of, of cobwebs and is full of mustiness and is full of death and is full of dirt and full of uh, uh, 
full of disease and full of roaches and all kinds of evil. I can walk into those places as the light of the world, as a city that's set on a hill it cannot be hid. I can walk into that place and the darkness cannot comprehend. I'm preaching to the abandoned places tonight that have thought that for so long you've lived that way. It's only got to be that way. No, it's not. You don't understand it tonight. But there's hope. I said there's hope. I said there's hope. I'm preaching to abandoned places that have got all kinds of wild animals crawling up in them. They're having feelings. They don't even know what they don't even know what they're feeling. Spirits distorting their minds. Destroying their lives. They need somebody with the answers and with enough gumption to walk into that place without fear and without favor. Who can look beyond the brokenness Busted shutters, peeled paint, and rotten floorboards. Say, man, we could flip this thing. You could walk in and see people in shambles. living in depravity see beyond their current status could look into eyes full of pain fear remorse and confusion and still see an individual with a calling and still see a person for whom God has a plan. Pastor, they think they're the opposite gender. That's not God's plan for their life. Pastor, that's pretty rough. Oh, you're scared of the abandoned places. They've got needle tracks. They've got scabs. They talk crazy. What can God do with that one? He's a lawyer. She's a doctor. They've got it all together. If you could see beyond the curtain, could open up that door you might find skeletons in a closet that they're so scared of trying to deal with but in an instant God could take care of saga of abandoned places but God needs people
Jerome, Arizona. The greeting on their website says, Welcome to Jerome, Arizona, America's largest ghost town. The travel writer would go on to say, if I were to describe Jerome in just one word, I would probably say funky. But the ghost town nestled in the Black Hills of Yavapai County is much more than that. Before Jerome was a ghost town, it was the site of a small mine where the local Yavapai tribe mined for copper for their jewelry. The town's history goes back to the late 1800s when the first miners began digging for the rich ore deposits. During the 70 years that they were in business, Jerome's two copper mines made hundreds of millions of dollars for their investors in the late 1800s. The town was named after Eugene Jerome, a New York lawyer who financed the United Verde Copper Company. However, Eugene Jerome never even set foot in Jerome. When gold was discovered in the area, people from all over the world began flocking here. The town's population grew from 250 residents in 1890 to over 15,000 in 1920. To keep their employees entertained, the mining companies built saloons, restaurants, brothels, and even an opera house. They say that at one time there were 14 Chinese restaurants in town. But things were not well in the mining town of Jerome. You see, it was a mining town with a bad reputation. With the growth of the population, it also grew Jerome's bad reputation for wickedness, gamblers, and all-around bad boys. The town was so filled with corruption that it was named the wickedest city in the West by a New York City newspaper. People in Jerome were dying in gunfights, stabbings, strangled, beaten to death, overdosed on opium, or committing suicide. It was bad in 1920. But in 1953, when gold and copper deposits vanished and the last mine shut down, it went from 15,000 down to 50. 50 people stayed behind. Jerome was on the verge of turning into a veritable ghost town. But something in the heart of this little western city began beating a stubborn drumbeat and began to desperately hang on for life. Jerome had a long history of tragedy but was not ready to disappear. On several occasions, fire destroyed large parts of the city, but Jerome was always rebuilt. 
In 1938, an underground blast rocked the town center, collapsing the business district, including the city jail, which slid down a, the mountainside 225 feet. But against all odds, the town survived. During the 60s and 70s, artists discovered the decaying ghost town and began moving in. Then more residents founded this historical society and proclaimed Jerome as the largest ghost town in America. For their efforts of preserving and restoring it, the town would have become totally extinct. Somebody decided this little town in Jerome, Arizona, no matter how many times it gets burnt, no matter how many explosions, is still worth saving. Today, the town's population has grown to about 500, mainly craftsmen, innkeepers, restaurant owners, writers, and musicians. But many of the, uh, the old buildings from the late 1890s still stand today and are occupied by their owners, while some of the old structures just remain from the town's early days. But it refuses to go away. Because somebody decided... This old town and these old buildings, no matter the history, no matter the past, no matter how many people were gunned down, no matter how many people were stabbed, no matter how many were beaten, no matter how ugly, no matter how dirty, no matter how crude, no matter how rude, no matter how filthy, no matter how wicked, there's still something worth preserving. And I'm preaching tonight to a group of people who need to be able to look beyond the shell of the brokenness to see something that's worth saving we read Isaiah 32 verses 11 through 14 how disparaging those verses are and if the chapter stopped there it would be a pretty sad state of affairs tremble you woman women that are at ease be troubled you careless ones strip you make you bare Gird sackcloth upon your loins. Go into mourning. They shall lament for the teach, for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine. Upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars. Yea, upon all the houses of joy in the joyous city. Because the palaces shall be forsaken, the multitude of the city shall be left. The forts and towers shall be for dens forever. A joy of wild asses. A pasture of flocks. Until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high. And the wilderness be a fruitful field. And the fruitful field be counted for a forest. I'm finished. Musicians come. Those previous verses were a warning of an attack that would leave the women in hopeless and abandoned situations. But the only hope of deliverance 
this messianic prophet Isaiah was saying there's not just coming a Messiah who's going to die on a cross to save you from your sins and make you feel good about yourself but there's coming an infilling of the spirit of God that will take what is desolate that will take what is broken that will take what is messed up that will take what is wicked and unfruitful and completely turn it around it's not hopeless they just need the spirit the only hope of deliverance is the infilling of the spirit fruit the wilderness be a fruitful field the fruitful field be counted for a forest it was just a briar patch when sin's clutches were upon it was just a thorn patch was just nasty underbrush but when God gets a hold of it when the spirit starts flowing things start changing the way it looks is transformed what it produces completely changes and judgment shall dwell in the wilderness and righteousness remain in the fruitful field and the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness quietness and assurance forever where there had been despair where there had been destruction and pain when the spirit comes in righteousness remains in the fruitful field the work of righteousness is peace where there was havoc there's peace now the effect of righteousness brings quietness and assurance forever I don't have to live in hopelessness I don't have to live in brokenness I don't have to live abandoned it's the power the infilling of the spirit of God my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and ensure dwellings and in quiet resting places when it shall hail coming down on the forest and the city shall be low in a low place blessed are you that sow beside all waters that send forth thither the feet of the ox and the ass the promise is given that one day the people of God are going to live in a peaceable habitation that habitation is going to be a direct product of the infilling of the Spirit of God and righteousness. It flips all the way to Galatians chapter 6. The laws of sowing and reaping. I can walk into abandoned places and sow righteousness and sow hope and sow peace and sow the love of God and sow the gospel of Jesus Christ and from the abandoned places I can reap I can reap a harvest in spite of what it looks like to my carnal mind it's the saga of abandoned places time the fields are white all ready for harvest they're waiting 
we have to facilitate it. We've got to facilitate in the midst of the brokenness. They're waiting on a church. I know the door might be off the hinges. I know the steps might be sagging. I know there's not even a car in the driveway. I know the shoes might have holes in them. I know it doesn't smell like your house smells. It's an abandoned place. I know there's creepy crawlies living under the porch, in the cupboards. But would you believe it if I said tonight that God loves that place as much as he loves your house? want us to walk into the abandoned places and say listen we're here to facilitate a move of God God sent me here to pray for you God sent me here to pray for you I know it's a long story I know it's complicated I know there's a lot of details that we could get bogged down with but if we could just pray if we could just pray there's no telling what God might do there's no telling what God might do. As I pray in Jesus' name.